Inspiration, Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi, family, welcome back to the Adventist reflections podcast today we have episode eight and on this episode we're going to be dissecting parts of what we find in daniel chapter seven for this i would like to again welcome zenny zenny welcome back how are you going today yes really good really good thank you dan yeah, excellent doing well. Doing well. we've been enjoying as we have spoken before the rain now and the lush and the green and the pastures that are just full of life Good to be in, good to be in Australia now. Yes, after all these fires, and now be surrounded by by this green and absolutely and yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it is the Australia that we tend to know, isn't it? That, uh, yes, that yes, made me people imagine, and it is how it is. So, good time for anybody who listens to us from anywhere around the world that is not in Australia. Please come and visit around now. It's a good time. So. Seni, as we come to this chapter, the, there is no historical narrative anymore as such. The, you know, we, we've been talking about Daniel 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and they're all in the shape of narratives. There is a lot of prophetic elements. At the end of the day, the book is prophetic, as you have mentioned and shared with us before. Mm, but we yes. come into a point where it's prophecy and all about prophecy the narrative doesn't, in terms of the historical aspect, is not as easy to digest, if you want to call it. And I think a lot of people might get stuck in this section from here onwards in the book of Daniel a lot. Um, I might be wrong, but uh, that's my perception. So as we come to this chapter, uh, the one thing that catches my attention, and it's something that we might have mentioned briefly before, is that this is actually taking place during the time of Belshazzar. We already talked about Belshazzar, Belshazzar, but this time in our podcast, Belshazzar is dead. He got killed by the Medes and the Persians. But we're kind of like in the historical timeline, we're coming a little bit backwards because this vision that Daniel had, or dream, um, yes. is around that time of King Belshazzar. In the first year, it says, chapter 1, verse 1. So what's That's going true. on with this um, chapter? What's going on with this vision? What's, yeah, what's happening that, here? That, that, that's really important to see. So in other words, Daniel is not really interested uh, primarily in chronological order of his book, okay. but rather in a thematic order of his book. Okay. What I mean by that, so far in the book we have found a narrative or a story, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's the first part of a book. Okay. So it is pure narrative, pure story, a real story that happened in real time, at real places. Um, and, and now the second part, basically from chapter seven, it's, it's, it's different. It's no longer, it's no longer narrative. It's no longer story or mm. real stories, but it is more a prophecy. Yes. Uh, or, 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 or prophetic part where Daniel, primarily now uh, receives visions from God and he yeah. he basically tells us what those visions are and we are now totally to engage into a new uh, a, 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 a prophetic genre if you will mm-hmm. of the book of Daniel 
Right. So we are kind of in the middle of it now, in the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Daniel's name means God is my judge. Right. And okay. it's interesting here that in the heart of this chapter, which is the middle of the chapter, if you, middle of the book, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to look at uh, the, the the scene of judgment. Okay. Which is quite interesting, you know. Da- Daniel means God is my judge. We are in the heart of the book. The heart of the book is is about judgment. So, so we um, we are in, truly into prophecy. Truly into prophecy. Right. Right. Excellent. One thing that caught my attention, and and the reason why it caught my attention is because I recall during uh, very first episodes. Uh, I think it was episode uh, two when or three when we talked about the dream. It was chapter Daniel two, the dream that the king had, right. and you mentioned that scholars have as they as you dissect uh, the the text in Daniel. The king had dreams, not only dream, like it was like a recurring dream that came over and over and over again in him. Hence, the the, yes. the king was very troubled, and he kept on rejecting the dream, and something might have happened psychologically there. But the reason why I mentioned that is because here um, I, I just look at verse one just to start, and it's talking about Daniel having a dream and visions. Yeah, did he have dream and visions? Meaning for the same exact thing? What, what What do we understand out of that? Just 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 to frame that in my mind, what What is it? Um. Well, he he saw that he had a vision, and I, I saw at night. Okay. In, in a vision, he said, "I saw in my vision at night." Okay. So obviously, this is a prophetic vision. Okay. Um. But um. So we'll we'll go into the vision, but just just before get we get into that. Mm-hmm. Um. While these are two different genres, which is one is um, one is a story or narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that literally happened, and this is prophetic part of a book. Still, there is a connectedness between the two. Okay. Uh, and and uh, to under, truly understand uh, a lot from the book of Daniel, we 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 soon realize that the structure mm-hmm. of the book is uh, kind of revolves around four. You know, as you know, in chapter two. We had four kingdoms yes. represented in the symbolism of King's dream. Right. Uh, 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 and who dreamt a statue yes. made up of four different metals. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So yes. there are four, four metals, which in fact represent four kingdoms, which will, which would be on this, on planet Earth, major kingdoms, yeah. worldwide kingdoms. Yes, yes. Starting with Babylon, continuing with Middle Persia and Persia, mm. and then going down to Greece, and then finishing basically with Rome, and then even more, finishing with the divided kingdom. Okay. But that's not the end. As we know, in chapter two, it finishes with a massive rock or stone. Uh, that smashes into the feet of the statue and, and it fills the whole earth, which is really God's kingdom. And we believe it, it is ushered through the second coming of Jesus. Right. So yes. this, this division of four kingdoms, we already encountered in chapter two and now exactly the same we find in chapter seven. So there is, there's clearly a connection between a narrative and prophetic part of the book. Mm. So they follow the same parallel order of events. 
Mm. They cover the same periods for the time from the time of Babylonian Empire until the time of the end. Yes. And they both chapters are pointing to the same four kingdoms which it, uh, which dominated the world scene. Yes. yes. So you have four different metals in chapter two, and now in chapter seven you four you have four different beasts. Mm. So this is a connection connect how these two uh, parts of a book are really connected. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And in, in the first one, uh, or, or in the first part, we had King, King Nebuchadnezzar, who had a dream. But here we have a prophet or a prophet Daniel who has a vision. Right. Uh, and the vision covers the same time period, the same kingdoms, mm. the same actors, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but just from slightly different perspective and giving, uh, giving us much more information about it. Okay. Okay. And, and and I appreciate that because when I think about, you know, when we talk about the different methods, the different narrative in the past, Daniel will have been aware of this and the addition of specifics given to his vision will have made, made it a little bit clearer. In fact, we see that Daniel at some point in time get a bit troublesome about all of these things that he sees. Um, yeah, yeah, which yes. reminds me of how the king got troublesome as well. But I think Daniel had a greater vision of what the, this would have meant for the people of God. Correct, correct. Okay. And that that is a very good point uh, because when a king has a dream, mm-hmm. he has a dream of something that he's very familiar with, yeah. and that is a statue that looks like an idol. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. king would be very familiar with it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when Daniel has uh, a, a vision, mm-hmm. uh, he has a vision of these beasts. Right. Uh, and these beasts are not normal. They don't come as part of a natural animal kingdom. You know, mm. he sees these hybrid beasts. Yeah. yeah. They are, if you will, unclean beasts. Right. So in yes. other words, uh, representation of kingdoms seen in the in the in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar uh, is given in metal, so mm-hmm. representing idol, if you will. Yes. But here, in, in in the mind and heart of, of of God's person, like Daniel, these are unclean animals. So kingdoms are represented as something that are that is kind of to be fearful, and 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 and, and they are they are not natural. There's something. Uh, kind of almost repulsive about them, yes. frightening about them, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So he, and, and that will have caught his attention and he will have realized that um, that it was a, a, something to worry about, I guess. So the first beast that we had in there, you mentioned that there is parallels to that metal statue on chapter two. Yes. Um, yes. And the first one was that um, head of gold, right? And so here in 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 the in the visions that Daniel is having at night, he sees this was it like a lion and yes. eagle's wings. Correct, correct. And as as you are saying, it's it's not a lion fully. It says like a lion. Yeah. Because lion obviously wouldn't have wings you know no. yes. so it's not lion uh-huh. fully but it looks like a lion right but but before we get into that then yes um 
you could almost say that the vision is divided, that the, the vision that God gives to Daniel is divided into three scenes, three major scenes. Okay, yes. So the first scene is, and how do we know that it's three scenes? Every scene starts with the same statement. This is how it goes. In my vision at night, I saw. Yes. And then it goes, I saw something that looked like a lion, an animal that looked like a lion. And I looked and saw another animal that looked like a bear. Uh And I saw the third animal that looked like a leopard. Right. Okay. So that's the first part of of, of, of the first scene of the vision. Okay. Yes. These three three, uh, beasts that look like Like, like uh, animals that we are familiar with. Yeah. Mm But then the second scene, he says, after that in my vision, this is verse 7, after that in my vision, I saw at night and he saw a nameless beast. Okay. It's really interesting. In other words, uh, God gives to Daniel um, uh, in the first scene, these three kingdoms kind of in one hit. Okay. Okay, yes. But then he gives this nameless beast much more space. So this is the fourth beast. He describes it in much more detail. So Mm -hmm. as if saying, Daniel, I want you to pay more attention to the fourth beast. Right. Even when you look at it, you can see that this beast is given much more description, much more space, much more words are used in describing this fourth beast or the fourth kingdom. Yeah. That's the second scene. And the okay. third scene that we see starts in the same way. In my vision at night, I saw. Okay. And then it says, I saw somebody who looks like a son of man, which is interesting. He's not just a son of man. He says, like a son of man. Right. Which is quite interesting. So obviously we as, we as Christians generally, and especially as Seventh-day Adventists, point to this would be none other than Jesus Christ himself. Right. But yes. it is interesting, it doesn't just say son of man, it says like a son of man, which right. is a which is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Is we could almost say in there that if he is not just a son of man, he would be more than a son of man, isn't mm-hmm. it? So mm-hmm. he would be both God and man. But I'll leave that for now. Right. Um, so that's that's really a, a third scene. So you have First three kingdoms, then you have the nameless beast, uh, this indescribably ugly and terrifying beast. Yes. And then you have somebody like a son of man. So these are the major three scenes that wow. we that see in chapter seven. I appreciate that. And thank you for telling us that because I, I believe that this makes it a little bit easier to process the chapter more digestible because there is sections and in, 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 in it will be easier to be able to perceive what's these sections are telling us about in, in, in timing history as well, I suppose. Okay, okay. So, why do you think that God gave Daniel, let's start with the first side, yes. if you want to call it, the, the first section yes. of this prophecy. Why, why would God have said, hey, you know, let's just focus on these three. Like, it's almost as in my mind, as you explain it to us, or you said it to us, I'm thinking, let's get over and done with these three ones. They're important, but yes. hey, you know, the fourth one is better, so we'll just get over yes. and done with. Why is that? Yes. What's going on here? Um, look, um, 
First of all, you know, for us as readers, what is important, what we quickly establish that this division of four is is important. So okay. chapter two is to inform chapter seven and chapter seven is to inform chapter two. Mm-hmm. So when, when you look at them, you, um, you know, when you go to... Um, uh, to the kingdom of Babylon from chapter two, represented by the head of gold, mm-hmm. you can go basically in chapter seven to Babylon represented like uh, with uh, with the animal that looks like a lion. So mm-hmm. those two can literally inform. And then uh, and then the next metal, basically, which is uh, uh, the, the silver, the, the silver mm-hmm. uh, obviously would be paralleled by by an animal that looks like a bear right yes and then the next metal um uh the um the tie of bronze would be compared to uh, an animal that looks like a leopard so mm-hmm. and and uh, obviously the last part would be uh, a nameless beast of chapter seven seven would parallel um uh the legs of iron and uh feet of clay so that's mm-hmm. that that's really important that we that we compare and so that we become really students and literally you can compare those okay. and they inform each other okay okay so, so when you look at it so if we start really with babylon right um the head of gold and, and the animal that looks like uh, like a lion yeah um what it tells us in chapter seven that the wings of this lion were torn off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and uh, but what you also find that the branches were torn off, but stump okay. and roots remained. You know, right. Which is quite interesting. Yes. yes. Uh, also, in, in in Babylonian art, uh, um, uh, you have um, a lion that that is very prominent in their in their writings especially on, on the walls of babylon you have you have um, a lion pr- very prominent uh okay, and yes. it is golden lion in fact yes uh, and then it says you are that head of gold mm-hmm. and 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 remember in um, it says in, in chapter seven that this uh, look like a lion animal look, stands on its legs mm-hmm. um like a man yeah, uh, and human heart was given to him, which is quite strange. So imagine yes. the whole animal is like a lion, but human heart was given to it. Hmm. So many biblical scholars see that uh, this is Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's conversion experience hmm. because hmm. he was literally like an animal. But once he turned his eyes to, to God, um he uh he became a follower of God, and human heart was given to him so he right. there is this spiritual component now uh within Babylonian kingdom, which is quite interesting mm. yeah, and it's not hard to see that now you mention it um and I can see a couple of things in there um you know it says that it, as you mentioned he had wings and they were plucked off and lifted from yes. the air they meant to stand like in two feet I mean we talk already a lot about the idea how uh, Nebuchadnezzar was full of pride and almost like he was like soaring like this kind of like wing and then eventually he kind of fell to the ground like a beast uh, yes yeah yes. okay okay 
So, and then as, as we follow on, Persia and, and Media, mm-hmm. um, uh, within a text, it says that a bear, this, this animal that looks like a bear, yes. leans on one side. Yeah. And, and, and the symbolism of that by many who, who, who read the Bible thing say that Persia was the one that dominated over Media. So uh, that, so they were that one they, more prominent is, than the other. Correct, correct. Okay. And okay. it says that three ribs were in the mouth of this look like a bear animal. Okay. And many see that this is a, like a major military conquests of uh, Middle Persian Empire, which right. is a conquest of Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt. So these are kind of a three three ribs. In, it, in its mouth. Like some of the greatest so that, empires at the time, I suppose. Correct, correct. Okay. And then Greece, yes. uh, the next kingdom or the third kingdom, mm-hmm. um, it says it had four wings. Yes. Um, and, 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 and maybe Bible scholars would say that this is a, a, the conquest of Greece was mm. incredibly quick. Um, uh, like no other kingdom prior to him, he just quickly ca- uh, conquered the earth, basically. Okay. Um, and uh, another characteristic of, of this kingdom is it has four heads. Yes. Which basically um, represent a, a complete dominion. Oh, complete okay. dominion. Um, what is also interesting then is that um, these three animals all each one of them was given. Mm-hmm. And the question is, given by who? But that, we will leave that. But it says it was given. given. The first was given the heart of man. Okay, yes. Uh, and we recognize that, that it was... Um, that conversion experience? The experience of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. So there was a change even in the kingdom as a result of that. Mm-hmm. The second was given the meat to eat. Okay. And that's a bear, or that is uh, Middle Persia. Yes. And the third one was given, uh, which is a leopard, or a Greek kingdom, or kingdom of Greece, mm-hmm. um, was given dominion. Right. This is really interesting when you think about it. Greece was given dominion. Yeah, yeah. Um, even now, many recognize within this verse that a Greek culture or Greek philosophy started to dominate the world. It even dominated and permeated um, Roman Empire and Roman Kingdom, even up until our days. Greek philosophy yeah. became dominant all the mm. way to our time, which is quite interesting. And it, all Absolutely. of these kingdoms have been given something or characteristic uh, 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 for something. And, and Leopard was characterized by dominion right right so yeah that's rather interesting and i agree i mean it doesn't take far to see just to study a bit of literature or in the in, in the scientific method to see that uh in philosophical philosophically speaking to see that greece and their ideology is up to date with how we have been taught and learned in our societies now, right. is this giving thing, and this is a question that I have here as you're narrating this to us, is this giving of things, is, it, is there any linkage to the idea that these beasts came from the sea? Or it's irrelevant? 
I think it is. Um, I think it is uh, irrelevant. I okay. think it is irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. we have these four beasts. I mean, these three beasts, and then there is and the then next you have one. The second scene. Yes. And the second scene, uh, obviously, as if God wants Daniel to pay a special attention. Yes. To this one. So that's in verse which six, is, yes. Which is not going to be in his own time, yeah, uh, but yes. will be extremely, extremely important. Okay. Uh, and and is given a special attention. Yeah. Um, and this is this nameless beast, right? Um, that um, um, and then again, a good student would compare chapter two and chapter seven. Mm-hmm. And in chapter two, we have this this part of a metal which is uh, which is iron. Yes. Of uh, the legs of iron, and the right. feet of iron and clay. Yeah. And in chapter two, what is mentioned about this kingdom or the fourth kingdom or the Roman Empire is that it breaks and it smashes and it crushes. Yeah. And in chapter seven, it uses very similar language. It mm. says it devours, it tramples, it crushes. Right. Yes. So there is this, there is this, and any um, anybody who has studied a uh, history of Rome would know that Roman army was incredibly powerful, and it was literally crushing everything right. yeah. um, for itself. You know. So it it's quite a quite a accurate description of of Roman Empire and its conquest. Okay. So as um, I'm as I'm seeing verse seven, it, it does says that uh it was a dreadful and terrible kind of exceedingly strong. So it's like people were fearful of the Roman Empire. Yes, um, yes. And another connection between the two chapters is that this fourth metal was of iron as we know. And this one but has iron teeth. Seven, in chapter seven, this fourth beast, it had a teeth of iron. Yes, yes. So okay. again, you have clearly parallelism between the two. Sure. And then in chapter two, uh, uh, you have iron and clay. Yeah, okay. So the, the feet were of clay. Yes. And uh, and in chapter seven, what we have is a little horn. Okay. Which has a human face. Yes. So there is a parallelism between iron and clay and little horn power, which has a human face. We'll come back to that. But that's that 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 parallelism is very very important if we okay. are to interpret the, the uh, Bible. Yes. With the Bible, basically. Yeah. And I guess in the in the legs and the feet, uh, I mean, you had ten toes and you have the ten horns also in in the Correct. beast. Correct, exactly. Okay, yes, that makes sense. It makes sense. So exactly. So in 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 chapter two, you have ten fingers on the toes, and in chapter seven, you have ten horns on this nameless ugly beast. Yeah. Right. So, and 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 people are wondering what what does that represent? Okay. Um, and obviously, um, these these horn grow on a beast. Yes. And many recognize that this this is um, representation of uh, basically political powers after the split of Roman Empire. Right. Which is like ten kingdoms. Yes. That uh, that 
really succeeded Roman Empire. And so what are those 10? It's many believe that they represent Franks, Burgundies, Salamans, Vandals, Suevis, Visigoths, Saxons, Ostrogoths, Lombards, and Herulis. Right. So that's that's generally how people have seen these these kingdoms, ten, these ten powers, homes, or ten kingdoms, or ten fingers. Right. That we encounter in chapter in chapter two. Right. So yeah, and yet you have in 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 Daniel seven. Um, I might be wrong, but. Uh, it it sounds that then you start having a little bit of at least in that section of of of, of that four beasts uh, a little bit of extra information that Daniel didn't have at the first in the first uh, in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar correct had, correct which is the idea that I mean we never see three little toes being you know chopped off but here we have three of the horns being kind of like um plucked out by the roots yes. Yes, correct, correct. So this is really important. So suddenly what we see, so it's like a like a zooming in on the head or what is happening on the head okay. of this beast. Right. And what is happening, we clearly see 10. But suddenly what we see is there's just a little horn that suddenly starts to grow and grow and grow. And it outgrows all of those yeah. 10. But as it outgrows them, there were three that were plucked out. Yes, and uh, but what is interesting about this horn and makes it kind of spooky is that it has a human face. Yeah. And kind of it has a human nature and 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 and, and it speaks and it also has eyes, which is the strangest thing. Yes. On this hybrid beast, you have something that looks like human because it speaks like human. It has intelligence. It has eyes. You know. And obviously, this this is quite interesting, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, and once again, uh, 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 the the clue given in chapter, uh, you know, uh, to us before is remember that um, that the beast, um, a Babylonian beast that we have seen, uh, is uh, the one that looked like a lion. And a human heart was given to it. So there's this human aspect within Babylon. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. But what we also see that with the fourth kingdom, among these 10 horns, there's this little horn that also has human characteristic. The eyes. In other words, both represent some kind of spiritual reality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But lo and behold, this spiritual reality is against God. So this is like a spiritual or religious entity. Right. But it's not friendly to God. Is that where the pompous words come out of? Well, that's, that's, what we, that's, that's what we believe. You know, this is a religious entity. Okay. And that's why it's While, different. As well, correct. While all these horn horn powers, so ten horns, represent political reality, mm-hmm. this little horn has two aspects of it. It is political in nature, but it is also spiritual in its nature. Right. So whatever comes, or whatever would come within the Roman Empire, that will have a political power. Yes. It will also have a spiritual power. 
Mm. And because it is a power that outgrows all others, it, it will basically mean that it will have some kind of overarching power over over others. All right. Why is it important? Because none of them have both religious and political power. Only mm. this little horn has both. Has that ability. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And and is this the part when we transition to the next section of the vision? Or there is more for us to think about this well, political that's, aspect? That's, that's the religious. second that's the second scene that we see. And okay. obviously you can almost see how important this is. Yes. Because uh, if we just remove ourselves from, from just a little bit to look at it from the side, mm-hmm. what you find that the fourth kingdom is the kingdom when Jesus himself came to the earth. Yes, yes, yeah? the Roman Empire. Yeah, it's very important. Um, right. Uh, and, and then obviously there will be no other kingdom except divided kingdom of the uh, after the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And the domination of this religious and political power from the time of Jesus all the way to the time, well, just after Jesus, all the way, uh, mm. all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is really important. So no wonder that God gives this, uh, this second scene much more t- much more space yeah. than it gi- he has given to these three first kingdoms. Yes. Bet- yes, because it will cover much longer period of time. It will come a- cover the period of the first coming of the Messiah or Jesus, mm. and it will go all the way to the second coming of Jesus. So, so this is this is really really important. Mm, I never saw that this that way, and I really appreciate it. It makes sense now that you shared this with us, the idea that indeed uh, th- there is a lot more detail because of that aspect and how it, it, when the Roman Empire was here, as we know them in the books of history, when Jesus was here walking on earth, will be pretty much the same, except there will be that change dimension in that that brings that the characteristics of the political as well as the spiritual when Christ returns again. Mm. Okay. Uh, another important aspect for this is when is this little horn power uh, going to show its face? Okay. According to Daniel 7, 8 and Daniel 7, 20, mm-hmm. it happens uh, in, this, in this succession. The first then horns grow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then the little horn grows. Yes. Then the three horns are torn off, torned off. Yes. So basically, um, this is a chronological order. Yes. Then horns grow, and then horns really grow with with the gradual but uh, steady split of the Roman Empire. Mm. And then, within this re- reality, the little horn starts to grow. Yeah. And then the three horns uh, were torn off. Okay, sure. so we have to expect within the history of a Roman Empire and the division of the Roman Empire that this religious and political power will come to the fore and become more and more popular, more and more famous, and will yield its political, both political and 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 a spiritual power, religious mm. power. So many many historians see that the three uh, other horns that which were plucked 
okay. represent Visigoths, Vandals, yep. and Ostrogoths. Okay. We don't have time and uh, to, to go into all the details of it, but Visigoths were just pretty much um, uh, are gone from the scene in the year uh, 508, and mm-hmm. then Vandals in the year 534, and Ostrogoths in 538. Okay. So Ostrogoths were the last ones. Yes. Um, so basically, once the, once these three uh, horns, which really stood against the little horn power, historically speaking, mm-hmm. um, once they were out of the way, the the dominance of little horn power, or religious mm-hmm. power, starts to be prominent. It sounds to me that this little horn, uh, it's almost untouchable. Politically, religiously, spiritually, it's, it's untouchable. And it goes all the way to the end. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and and there seems to be a bit of a, um, I don't know, maybe a fear by everybody else around this, this this little this little horn. Um, yes. Okay. Okay. And, and and as far as what what does this uh, little horn do? There are, according to Daniel, mm-hmm. there are. Basically, um, the Bible says that he speaks the words against the Most High. Mm. So, the action is in what it says, and whatever it's what it says goes against what God says, if you will. Okay, okay. So he's in opposition. That's one thing. So. We are to expect that this little horn power or political and religious power will speak okay. something which would be taken as important, uh, but that what it speaks and is taken as important would go against God. Okay. It okay. sounds to me there is a bit of an intentionality there. It's not like it just happened. There's no we have yeah. intention to go against what God says. Like we, we're gonna create some system here. Yeah. Okay. And the second thing it does, so it's not just speaking, mm-hmm. it persecutes. Right. It persecutes the saints. In other words, it persecutes those who are on the side of God. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, um I, I, that puzzles so, me a lot, <laughs> mainly because as in in that in chapter seven in verse twenty one, it's talking about that, but it's saying that it's prevailing against them. That's yes. the part that puzzles me the most. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, what does that imply then? Is that anybody? Is, are we talking about persecuting the people of God because they're following what God says? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's um, okay. It's um, it persecutes. It says it persecutes the saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it also does, uh, it says it changes times and seasons. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Um, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also what it does, it uh, it says that saints were given to him for time, times, and half a time. Okay. So this is interesting. Um, so you could almost say that speaking against the Most High and changing times and season, this is really standing against God. Yeah. Um, okay. And persecuting saints and saints that were given to him for time and half a time, 
it's really the persecution of the people of God for a certain period of time. So okay. this changing of time and seasons is everything to do with him standing against God. Okay. okay. So, in other words, this religious power which would come um, at the sunset of a Roman Empire, when Roman Empire splits, mm-hmm. and two, ten other political powers come up. Yeah. It rises to its prominence. Its rivals are conquered. Mm-hmm. This power can be no other but Roman Catholic Church headed by papacy. Okay, okay. Which, uh, which starts within a bosom of a Christian church or a Roman Christian church. Which brings that religious, spiritual aspect that you were talking about, Correct. the little horn. Okay. Uh, it became uh, dominant because Christianity started to spread like wildfire, mm. but it lost its, its, its very heart and soul, which was based in the Word of God. Okay. The Those... Word of God was totally neglected. Uh, and uh, so this religious power becomes so also builds its political um, sway as well. Mm. Uh, can be no, no, no other than, than, than um, uh, basically Roman Catholic Church headed, headed by papacy. Which is really interesting because as you were unpacking the idea of what the little horn is like in the characteristics, I mean, I can see that. I, I do not know as I think about it, as you're mentioning this, of any other uh, power, as we might see, uh, that has so much influence around the around the world. And we're talking about all of these kingdoms as they were known in their time were worldly kingdoms. We already spoke about the idea that Babylon was a worldly kingdom. Like the world known back then, it, it conquered everything around. Same thing with the Medes and the Persians, same thing with the other ones. But this one came and now it's establishing a different kind of kingdom, but it's still a worldly dominion. I don't know of any other system. Respectfully well, speaking, correct. that has this Remember, characteristic. Yeah, and remember, we are talking about um, uh, the reality of Roman, of Roman Empire, mm-hmm. and on the ashes of Roman Empire, you have this this kingdom then come up, mm-hmm. and then this 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 little horn power yeah. that comes up and yeah. starts to dominate um, its surrounding um, and within Europe, and then further, much further than Europe. Yeah. And it starts, um, it starts, you know, very early uh, in Christian history, and it goes all the way to the very time of the end. Okay. And uh, so, uh, interesting part, obviously, is it, it it's waging war against holy people or oppresses the holy people. Baba says in verse twenty-five, the holy people will be delivered into his hands. For time, mm. times, and half a time, which is okay. really interesting. What so does this, that mean? It, it it talks about persecution of the people, so people okay. will be delivered to him for that period of time. Um, so the the expression given there is time. Okay, time, times, half a time. So, and within the book of Daniel, uh, we find this expression in a number of places, like in chapter 4, verse 16, and it says, mm-hmm. seven times will pass. Mm. 
uh, and it is in a context of of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who who um, was passed the judgment by God mm -hmm. um, that he will um, he will really for seven for seven these seven times be be rejected by society and will become like an animal. Mm, okay. The seven times will pass. In ver chapter 4, verse 23, it says, until seven times by, pass yeah. by for him. It is repeated, yes. And uh, in verse 25 of chapter 4, it says, and seven times will pass by for you. So it's, in other words, it's, it's mentioned three times previously in the book of Daniel. Right. And it refers to really a year. So time refers to a year. Okay. So time would be one year. Okay. Times would be so this is a dual. It's used as a dual, basically, which okay. means times or two years. Sure. Okay. And half a time obviously would be half a, half year. a year. So time times so, half a time will be three and a half years. Three and a half years, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um so and 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 mind you, um one year uh in in uh, in ancient times uh was 360 days it was not 365 right calendar was that, a bit short that's really important to understand okay and two years would be double that so that's like 720 days mm -hmm. so you have 360 days plus 720 days and half a year would be 180 days. Okay. So that would take you, that would give 1260 days. Yes. So it is basically saying that little horn power will persecute holy people or saints or God's people for the period of 1260 days. Okay. That's in Revelation. Yes. That is in Revelation. So it is really the same time period. And in Revelation, it's about woman, which represents the church, mm -hmm. who will be persecuted by a beast for this period of time. So okay. this time in Revelation and, and, and Daniel is identical time, uh, and it is 1260 days. In fact, the book of Revelation mentions exactly the same time period, uh, but it it, it it refers to it as a 42 months. Okay, yes. Uh, so in the book of Revelation, it says the beast, was, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words. Exactly what we find in the book of, of Daniel. The same thing, yes. And blasphemes and to exercise its authority for 42 months. Mm. So when you have 42 months, if you have 12 plus 12 plus 12 equals 36 months, that's three years. Mm-hmm. And half a year is six months. That's 42 months. Right. Three and a half years. Yes. Or 1260 days. So you have these three periods, which is pretty much the same, yes. the same period, which is three and a half years, 42 yeah. months, and 1260 days. Where this horn was persecuting the saints, the people correct. who follow God. Okay. That's okay. correct. That's correct. Now, I'm hearing here that he is persecuting these people, but the other thing that you mentioned, the other characteristic is that obviously it was boisterous against God, what God was saying he will go against, but uh, it also tried to change times and laws. Correct. 
What is this yeah, before, all about? Before, yeah, before we go to that, okay. just, just just to come to this period of 1260 days, mm-hmm. we really believe that this period is not a period of literal days, okay. but rather uh, this is a prophetic time where one day represents one year. So when do we start counting these years? From when do we start counting? Remember that the... Uh, the little horn, little, uh, three, three horns uh, were plucked out. Yes. The last one was Ostrogoths. They were plucked out in the year 538. Yes. So many believe that this, this should be the year to, um, as a starting point for this uh, period of persecution. Okay. Yes. Which is 1260 years. This will take us all the way to the year 1798. Right. Uh, when this time of persecution of the people of God through crusades and inquisition and during the Protestant time, uh, Huguenots and many other uh, Christians were persecuted mm. and regarded as heretics. Absolutely. And the book of the history is- tells us that. Yeah, this period would finish in 1798. And in 1798, uh, General Berthier, uh, Napoleon's general, took uh, Pope as a captive. And that's really when this persecution of the saints mm. pretty much, pretty much stops. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot, isn't it? There is a lot in this, but... Um, but it is there in the text, and we have to grapple with it, and it's mm. it's really important to grapple with it. So what I'm hearing is that there is indeed a lot of evidence that uh, points back to the realities that we had. I mean, we could even argue not that long ago, but also even um, uh, today, and it's in the text, as you mentioned, and we need to study it. I suppose when I think about it, we are still in this period of time. I mean, when I when I think about how does that matter to me, where are we standing today? Um, what does it imply, Sidney? I mean, well, we're still one in that. The things that it implies is that a, a prophecy is a, a sure word of God. Um, yeah. In other words, something that was prophesied in the sixth century before Christ yes. will play itself out in all important details. Mm. And we can look back and say, God has foreseen all of this. And that is uh, amazing. Taking taking place. That is not to take the human will aside, but this is what is going to be played out yes. in the history of humanity, in the history of God's people. And uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's one important. But coming back to what you asked before about changing of God's law, it says that this little horn power mm. was going to do that. Yes. And we know that it did that. Okay. And uh, and obviously, uh, uh, a Roman Catholic Church did change the law of God. Okay. Uh, literally, from, from uh, the fourth commandment, which is the commandment about, I remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Okay. And it was always the seventh day or Saturday. Okay. And it was always throughout all ages being observed by Jews as a nation, even in our days, all along. 
the Roman uh, 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 Pope of Rome basically changed it, and it stayed all these centuries. Right. Changed it from Saturday to Sunday by his own power. Right. And an obvious question is, how can he possibly do that? Who gives him that power? How can you change the law of God? Mm. And the obvious answer is, you can't. You can't. If God doesn't do it, we cannot do it. Human beings cannot do it. So for this reason, you know, uh, you can clearly see that he speaks against God. So yes. he directly opposes God. Okay. Which, which is rather interesting, isn't it? Because there is always like that parallel between the idea that this commandment you're talking about, that it's specifically talking about a time and it's in the law of God, given by God, not by men. It's also the commandment that tells us of who God really is. He's the creator of all things. Which in the, if we see the parallels to that idea of that Babylonian system was about me, 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 selfish, uh, uh, pointing back to self and not pointing back to God. Well, it's true. It's okay. true. It's okay. very true. So that's that's really uh, the second scene. This, um, that, 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 that. And then we have that third scene. Okay. It starts in the same way. In my vision at night, I saw. So we are really kind of to follow chronologically what is happening. Right. So what Daniel sees here in this third scene yeah. is a scene of judgment. Right. Okay. In this scene of judgment, what he sees is that the ancient of days, and this is the, the only expression in the whole of Bible where God is described as an ancient of days okay. with, uh, with the white hair, which represents wisdom. Yes. And him in a position and in a role of a judge. Okay. He sits on his, his throne and thousands upon thousands upon thousands mm. surrounding him also sit on their throne, but only after God as a judge. Okay. He sits on his throne. So he's like a court hearing. This is a court. This is a scene, court scene, and this is a heavenly court scene. Okay. Where judgment is about to start, and it says that the books were open. Yeah? Right. Yes, yes. And it is in, within this scene of judgment that it says we see somebody like a son of man. Which is right. quite amazing. Yes. What does a human being do in this judgment scene in heavenly realms. Right. Remember, he's like a son of man. Yes. This is none other but Jesus, who is both God and man at the same time. And he comes, he comes uh, within the scene of judgment. And remember, that persecution of the people of God lasted for three and a half years, or for 1260 days, or rather as 1260 years. Yes. About 38 all the way to 70, 1798. So, so what you have now is the, the scene of judgment. So sometime mm. after 1798, we are to expect that the judgment would start to take place. Mm. Right, so, yes. And if you compare now this 
this with chapter two, mm-hmm. what you find is that somehow this is that last period of human history when the rock or stone is about to hit the statue at at its feet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And on the other hand, in chapter seven, it's this judgment scene. Mm. when the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days. And what is interesting Mm. is that as he comes to the Ancient of Days, the Ancient of Days basically gives him a position where he sits on a throne and Mm. is to start to judge. In other words, exactly what the New Testament says, the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. Right, yes. So the one who judges planet Earth and within this little horn power Mm. is not the father, but is a son of man. Right. Somebody who became a human being. God who became a human being in Jesus Christ is our judge. Mm. Jesus is our judge. Right. Which is beautiful. Absolutely. Reality. Somebody who died for us on the cross is at the same time our mm. judge. Yeah. Somebody who is absolutely interested primarily and about everything else in our salvation mm. is our judge. How so beautiful. We are in the hands of a favorable Jesus Christ. Mm, absolutely. That's a, that's a beautiful scene. So, that, so in other words, what happened during the fourth kingdom, especially during the little horn power, and then during the period of judgment, are the most important parts, it seems to me, of of chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. Mm, absolutely. How beautiful that is. And I love that even like in every single chapter, we have been able to see God, his character and who God is. And uh, it also calls my attention, Zeni, at the fact that... that um, God is having, God has given to, to Christ, you know, God himself too, but the Son, that judgment, and as you mentioned, that catches my attention that he did not spare any, he will, he did not and will not spare any resources for our salvation. And that is beautiful. Yes. That is beautiful. And I guess... And remember that the aspects yeah. of his judgment is within this, within this little horn power who is going to persecute the saints of God. Yes. So the judgment will be really upon upon those who persecute the people of God. Right. So it will impact them in a negative way. So but in a positive way, the judgment is there mm. to, to to give a verdict of salvation. To the people of God. Sure. So yeah. it's it's so to bring deliverance to those saints who are suffering. Exactly right. Exactly okay. Right. Exactly right. Now, if, if we were to follow that parallel you mentioned with with um, chapter two, in chapter two, after the rock comes, destroys, it becomes like a big mountain, doesn't it? Yes. So, do we have still that in Daniel seven, or that will no, be not, seen we later? Don't have that in Daniel seven, but we definitely have that last period of human history, mm. just before basically the stone was going to hit mm. the, the, the 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 statue, if you yes. will. Yes. So, in other words, you have this period of judgment mm. taking 
place. Which is really where we will live, uh, or or we argue we are living into. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. based on the, the the elements of the timeline that you mentioned. Okay. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that we need to put in the in this puzzle? Well, of I, I think seven? that that's basically it. Then, so in other words, we have moved from from amazing story, uh, which has so many spiritual. Uh, lessons and that can teach us so much about our lives mm, mm. and are so helpful for us as, 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 as the people of God, you know. Absolutely. And, but yeah. at the same time, this aspect just um, gives us a, 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 a important history, mm. you know. Yes. That um, that God uh, reveals yeah. through, through the Bible to us. Yeah. Uh, in, a very, in a very powerful way. So, in other words, there is an encouragement. We know that this happened and God prophesied. And we also know that it, things will also happen in the future. Mm. Things that God already revealed in the past. Mm. So we live with the certainty of the word of God, mm. of the prophetic word, prophetic word of God, if you will. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Sani. I really appreciate it today's episode and, and, and the unpacking of Daniel 7. I'm sure that there is a lot more that we could have said, but um, the promise is there. The message is there. And I hope that everybody who listens might be able to embrace it and again have this eager desire to go back to this chapter, to study it for themselves and to get to hold on to that hope that you and I have that indeed we will be delivered from this oppression that we have. Well, this is it, family. Thank you so much to everyone who listened. And I hope that you can share this episode to those who might not yet know about the podcast. And give us any comments that you might have, any questions that you might have. We might be able to answer them here. Otherwise, we hope to be able to catch up with you next week where we will study a little bit more about Daniel. And it will be Daniel chapter 8 with a little bit more of prophecies that gives us not only knowledge, understanding and warnings, but also hope. Until then, may you have a blessed time. Today we choose to love God. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast. Like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you. Thank you.